Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. We're not designing for the shelf anymore. It's not about eyeballs and being big and bright and bold. It's around designing something that can get to someone's mailbox as quickly and easily with as little airbags as possible, right? The reality is innovation is hard. It really does require collaboration between the retailer and the brand to try and create the visibility around these solutions. Because I think people are starting to wake up and kind of start to reflect on what is my role in mitigating climate disasters. So it does feel like the time is right. But at the end of the day, we need other companies to take big bets on these types of product propositions too. Because if it becomes the norm, I think people will switch. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofsetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. Sarah, I feel like one day when you retire, you're going to become a professor. I agree. I would very much like to do that. I mean, I really hope I get my voice back before then, but I do love the education part of my job. And I think a big part of it stems from the fact that we're frequently navigating where there are no roads. It's true. If you had the opportunity today to design a course, a curriculum for people who want to build executive level careers in e-commerce, what would go into that? What a provoking question. I mean, one of the things that I love about being in this particular space is that I feel like we're sitting at the nexus of so many different jobs within these very big and very small companies. So if you manufacture a product and you're in e-commerce, one minute you have to talk supply chain, one minute you have to talk sales, one minute you have to talk pricing strategy, one minute you have to talk packaging. Paid media. Yeah, absolutely. Path to purchase, consumer insights. Like you really need to know and be able to be not just conversant in all of these, but both help cross pollinate as well as identify what are the best levers to pull. It really is almost like an MBA, but almost like twisting everything about 15 degrees. It really requires a very different skill set than knowing the technologies behind it all. What do you think? On the flip side, to be a professor today, you also need to be refreshing your material every week. The pace of change is insane. Yeah, I know this has certainly happened to you and it's happened to me. I feel like I am guest lecturing at more and more business schools these days to help fill in the gaps that current curriculum is missing. Absolutely. What's so refreshing is Eric, who's leading the Amazon business at Unilever, When you hear him talk, it seems like Unilever has put together an incredible rotational program where people can pick up on all these cross-functional disciplines. It's extremely smart and thoughtful because it helps each one of them get better at their job. And I would say talking with Eric was so refreshing 
and hearing the fluidity with which he could talk about pretty much anything, but put it through the lens about what would work best in the channel that he's accountable for. Let's bring Eric onto the show so everyone can learn from him. Eric, we're thrilled to have you drop some knowledge for our audience today. Likewise, really excited to be here and thanks for having me. Our distinct pleasure. Not only are you team lead on Amazon, but you've been with uh, Unilever for eight years. That is correct. Your role has shifted a lot. Tell us a little bit more about that. I'm happy to. So I'm what they call a, a Unilifer so far. And I came into the business as a management trainee back in 2014. Got to try on a lot of different sales and marketing hats, really on our brick and mortar business. So I grew up walking Walmarts, selling to Walgreens and uh, working on two beloved brands here in the US, Klondike and Good Humor Ice Cream. So it was a fantastic experience. And yes, I did have to put on the Good Humor Man outfit a few times. Wait, wait. But we're <laughs> we're going to need a picture to accompany the social promo. So let's just make sure we've got ourselves in notes on that. We'll see what can be done on that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, starting in 2016, that's where my my journey in e-com began. And I remember, you know, as a fresh trainee, there was a lot of new models coming out. Jet.com still existed pre-Walmart. Doug Strayton was actually the VP of e-com over at Unilever, whom I know you all keep in touch with. And I remember being enamored just by the things he said his team builds and looked after. Uh, and I knew that at that moment, this was the future of CPG, digging into content, SEO, and my favorite vendor central. So that was an exciting year, really, to be part of e-com just as it was beginning to get cool. And then from there, I spent a couple of years on the front lines of our sales organization with Amazon. I looked after our men's business.com platform, and I also helped get things going with Prime Now RIP, which was launched during that year. So I saw the highs and lows of doing business with Amazon from innovative, big thinking, uh, Prime Day activations, all the way to painful crap out discussions. So cut my teeth and earn my stripes uh, in, in the trenches. And then in 2018, Amazon founded its global vendor management group, and we had the opportunity to go on the journey with them to uh, launch new marketplaces. So, you know, in the last three years, we've grown the business 6x. We've had boots on the ground in over five continents, launched 10 new markets, and helped to accelerate 10 more. So it's been quite the journey, and it's just amazing how the role continues to evolve. I will tell you, Maybe when you started in your role in e-com, you might not have thought that ice cream and e-com would go nearly as well together. But as the global team lead for Amazon, I can certainly tell you, I bought my share of Ben and Jerry's on Amazon Fresh over the course of the past couple of years. So your old role and your new role are certainly intersecting. I can't say I bought Klondike, but I can say I bought Ben & Jerry's. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Ben & Jerry's is usually everyone's favorite. So uh, <laughs> no offense taken. Well, Eric, I'm so happy you name dropped one of our favorite people, Doug, who's been on the show. Amazon at some companies is kind of its own entity and it can sit out on its own island. At Unilever, how does the Amazon team work alongside potentially the other retail sales teams, whether it's e-com or even brick and mortar? Yeah. For us, it's another customer. So it's managed within the e-commerce portfolio, which we segment into three models. First being Pure Play, which is predominantly Amazon in the US market. Then our omni-channel business. And thirdly, kind of our emerging revenue, which might be quick commerce, social commerce, B2B, kind of some of those uh, strategic future bets. So 
at the size and scale for which it is in most markets, it's pretty well integrated into the business. Um, that being said, we do a lot of things uniquely, knowing that we have unique portfolio needs, distinct supply chain requirements, and, and a whole lot of other challenges to work through. So that's a little bit on how we organize in the markets. In terms of my team, we really work with the markets collaboratively, co-creating, and also amplifying their needs. So you know, our goal is to be the voice of Amazon within Unilever to help kind of drive the investment and the resource allocation that we need to fuel growth, but also to help raise the floor at headquarters, which, you know, doesn't often get sit in a lot of conversations with the customer or to see the reality of uh, executing a, a search campaign uh, through AMS, right? So it's a pretty broad scope, but digital commerce is its own integrated team now and, and really evolving towards being just another customer at Unilever. Super encouraging and a great model for so many others. We have brands that are big and small that join us here at Brave Commerce and hearing that if Unilever can do it at the size and scale that you are, then some of the other large companies or smaller ones who think it can't be done or the nimbleness or agility can be done are being debunked right now. So thank you for at least setting an example of what can be done, both in terms of integrating with other retail teams and not being putting baby in a corner, if you will, as it relates to Amazon. Not to mention the fact that Amazon, particularly for Unilever, has always been an omni-channel mindset because of the mechanisms of delivery and the way that you guys have, have operated. What are you most excited about in the coming year as it relates to the partnership between Unilever and Amazon, and just where this industry is going for all of us. I think we're all incredibly excited. The world has changed a lot in the last two years is the headline. And I don't have to kind of reference the the hockey stick chart we've all seen, but we're now operating at a new baseline that implies more resource, bigger ambitions, and more focus. So I'm really excited to see um, a lot of the innovation that's going to come from the marketing teams to really drive the future growth. More specifically, what is encouraging is to see the intersect of designing for the channel and designing for sustainability. Because we often know that taking water, air, and waste out of something (laughs) also helps Amazon's bottom line. So as someone who's been banging that drum for quite a few years, it does feel like we're starting to round the corner. And on a related note, I think from a partnership standpoint and working with the customer, we were a launch partner with them on Climate Pledge Friendly. We have a very good relationship with their headquarter team and continuing to work with them and the big brains they've got over there thinking through how they can kind of disrupt sustainable shopping. That's an area that I get really excited about. Um, It's not often you get to work on Unilever's corporate strategy and purpose uh, directly in your day-to-day. So Mm. from a work standpoint and a planning standpoint, I I think it's all around portfolio and and sustainable shopping. As a practitioner and enthusiast of the industry, I'm really interested to see how this whole aggregator versus accelerator showdown plays out. And I think we're having a little bit of a pressure test with uh, the supply chain crunch that we're seeing globally. So it will be interesting to see who the winners and losers are. (laughs) Eric, first of all, we've recorded like a hundred episodes and you were the first person to like really ever bring up sustainability. So I want to commend you. And I think it goes back to Unilever's ethos and we probably could have done a whole episode on just that. Maybe we'll, we'll bring you back to talk about that because the overlap of product innovation and design and sustainability and e-com is really tremendous. In terms of people who are starting their career. So you started your career essentially in the, the management trainee program. What advice would you give to your younger self 
if you were going to start in the CPG commerce industry today? Great question, Rachel. Three things. One, learn how all the nitty gritty details work so that you can automate them later. That's something that I'm gaining a lot of appreciation for as the scale of the work far exceeds the number of people you can throw at it. So first and foremost, I think if people can be more aware of how they can bring automation and tech into their jobs, it'll serve them well. Number two, numbers are important, but words drive action. Invest a lot in your skills as a writer to be an effective agent of change. Fun fact, I'm an English literature major, so I had a little bit of a competitive advantage in that field. But I I think really at the end of the day, a lot of the results we've been able to unlock were because of great arguments, uh, not necessarily great numbers. And last but not least, get outside your company bubble and meet as many people as you can in adjacent areas. You never know how those dots might connect. And that's something I definitely wish I would have done more of in my younger self. So those are my big three pieces of advice for people looking to get into CPG. That's fantastic advice, all three. And As a former journalism student, as the wife of an English teacher, you are warming my heart. We used to teach a class called Think Like a Journalist, Write Like a Journalist, just so that it would actually get you to understand how to make compelling arguments and how to bring the reader in. And so hearing that reinforced from somebody of your stature is incredibly valued and appreciated. Is it okay we go back to the sustainability conversation just for a minute? Yeah, happy to. Awesome, because I think Rachel is bringing up a good point, and maybe we can have a whole episode on it. I do want to dive a little bit deeper into this, because I'm actually surprised that there aren't more companies that are doing this. And while you guys clearly were a pioneer in doing this with Amazon, with the Climate Pledge, and you've been talking about sustainability at Unilever since, I guess it's been years since Project Sunlight was announced, Like all this stuff is very true to who you are and your ethos, but it also is good business to your point about you know taking more water out of the product making things lighter more sustainable more compostable why aren't more companies realizing that good climate is good business as certainly through the lens of ecom it's a great question sarah and i am not the expert on sustainability so i'm offering you my unqualified point of view but you officially are today so <laughs> Love it. More the matter of like, you were talking about making, let's, let's marry a couple of different themes, right? You were talking about um, the importance of making a cogent argument. If I were making an argument at a CPG firm, I would make the argument that this is good for the world, good for business. And so e-commerce would be a great way to quote unquote, test and learn some of those innovations. Are there ever examples of maybe either arguments that you've made to that end, or if you were going to coach somebody else to make an argument, what would that be? That's a great question. And I think the sad reality is sustainability is not a driver of purchase for most people in the world. And so instead of being deflated by that reality, I think we need to embrace how we present sustainability as a product benefit, whether that's increasing convenience, increasing value, improving the product experience, and appealing to people on terms they're used to. And I think oftentimes brands that maybe try to go the full green route are only speaking to a narrow slice of the market. And really to make a difference, we need to get millions of people to change the types of products they buy, not just a couple thousand. So as it comes to making an argument, 
obviously be true to your brand. And if your brand stands for being a hardcore naturals brand, like, like a seven generation, that's important. And I think they've been a beacon of innovation and change for us within the business. But I think it's also applying a little bit of common sense and address the problems that people complain about, like the excess packaging that arrives on their doorstep. I think if you can be a brand that plugs that guilt or anxiety for a shopper, you can secure yourself a really nice competitive advantage. And also, we're not designing for the shelf anymore. It's not about eyeballs and being big and bright and bold. It's around designing something that can get to someone's mailbox as quickly and easily with as little airbags as possible, right? So I think it's common sense to a lot of folks. The reality is innovation is hard, right? A lot of new things, they don't succeed. They don't have the right support. The proposition might be a little bit hard for the consumer to understand. So it really does require collaboration between the retailer and the brand to try and create the visibility around these solutions. Because I think people are starting to wake up and kind of start to reflect on what is my role in mitigating climate disasters. So it does feel like the time is right. But at the end of the day, we need other companies to take big bets on these types of product propositions too. Because if it becomes the norm, I think people will switch. Agreed. And I will say credit to you for provoking. I will give a little bit of a shout out to the recent e-commerce assessment tool that Way Profitero just launched, which is, you know, how ready is your organization for e-commerce? And one of the big questions is the way you source your materials consider supply chain and packaging. And if you're thinking about it through the lens of e-commerce, then maybe you're not going to think through it through the lens of sustainability, but the side benefit becomes sustainability. So I think that that's a great mechanism to spark the dialogue to do what's right for the world. Absolutely. Sarah, I think we need to place a bet. Something tells me in five, 10 years time that we're all going to be working for Eric. (laughs) No brainer. (laughs) Who knows? I'll be working for someone else too. So (laughs) strong values, good communication skills. I love people who sweat the details. Curiosity. Yeah, I'm I'm down. So I hope you hire us. (laughs) Well, thank you all. It's a huge compliment. And uh, it's just an incredible privilege to be here with the amazing other set of speakers that you all have on the show. Well, if we haven't gotten enough wisdom from you, I'm very curious what your answer is going to be. Eric, what is the bravest thing that you've ever done? All right, Rachel, the bravest thing that I've ever done besides buying a house in this market, (laughs) I'll give credit to my college self on this one and my roots as an English major. So when I started out at the University of Wisconsin, I thought I'd be a lawyer following dad's footsteps. So naturally, I did English and Chinese. Those two seemed to make sense to me. Halfway through, I realized it isn't what I wanted to do with my life. And I hustled like crazy to try and get noticed by recruiters from big business, right? And I must have done a thousand practice case studies, hundred interviews, 95 no's and gotten turned down like left and right. As a lifelong high achiever, it was a huge blow to my confidence and my ego, but it really taught me the importance of resilience and, and betting on yourself. So for me, that was the bravest thing I did was taking that leap of faith that I would end up on the other end. Okay. And I never would have predicted consumer goods, much less Unilever would be where I would make my career, but incredibly happy it turned out that way. Well, Eric, thank you for all of your wisdom. Folks, I think it's time that we follow Eric on LinkedIn. And it's really remarkable everything that's going on at Unilever today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And don't forget to share this link with a friend.
Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at Edelman and the host of Touch of True, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice, meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming center stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes come out every Tuesday. I do hope to see you there.